Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On today's episode, Tom Gleason and Ben Elwood join me to tackle the five pressing questions I needed answers to. My name is Justin Hamilton and you're listening hard to Big Squid. joining me today. It was great to have Tom Gleeson here in Sydney. He was only here for a little while and I took this as an opportunity not only to catch up with him but bring in our pal Ben Elwood. It was a fun chat. It's a stupid chat. Uh, It's not always stupid. Sometimes it's actually quite insightful but you know there's some stupid parts to it and if you're wondering what's going on wasn't there a podcast yesterday maybe you missed the announcement. I'm doing three separate editions of Big Squid this week so yesterday's episode had Rove and I discussing the latest episode of Loki and tomorrow's episode will just be me covering the second to last episode of season two of The Leftovers. It's a big week of podcasting and I hope that it isn't too much me in your life. Uh, For this podcast, I had five questions that I threw at Tom and Ben and right from the get-go, both of my guests are in fine form. I won't tell you the questions, I'll let you hear them so you can hear their reaction in real time. I'm going to be honest, there was one question that didn't quite get the response I wanted. I won't tell you which one, I'll save it for the end of the podcast. I reckon you'll work out what it is. Anyway, let's get into it and welcome to the stage, Tom Gleeson and Ben Elwood. So we're at uh, Shay J, as I like to call it. We have uh, the star of Hard Quiz, Tom Gleeson, and we have someone who I'm guessing has never seen Hard Quiz. I actually have seen a lot of Hard Quiz. Ah. I've been watching a lot of Hard Quiz recently. Well, it's very popular, so it makes sense. I'm excited that you've watched it. Well, my mum loves Hard Quiz, and usually when my mum loves something, you know, the law of the universe is that I would hate it. Uh, But it's one of the few things that we can unite on and actually uh, bond over. Yeah, so thank you, Tom. Oh no worries. For making it, an afternoon with my mother that much. 
much more tolerable. Yeah, it's a cynicism that brings generations together. <laughs> yeah, my mum loves it as well. Like yeah. I'm, I, I get a text every week about uh, everything that's made her laugh and uh, what she thinks of certain guests. And mate, you've got you've you've got the mums and you've got uh, a lot of lot a broad range of people watching yeah. it. Well, on Instagram today, someone sent me a video <laughs> of a school who had done hard quiz at their assembly and they're all oh, at really a primary school not right. a high school I want right. to see the kid who's doing you oh he, he ran out flapping his arms like he was flying <laughs> I, I don't actually do that but I was really impressed he was came out and did, he he br- was, did he bring the venom yep yeah great and yeah they all and they but also the the kids who are the contestants there was I forget the first uh, kid's name but let's just say it was Tanya and her expert subject was hygiene so like that <laughs> <laughs> so all their subjects seemed to be little digs at the kids who were the contestants and that's really and funny. they had all the banners up and that's they great. had the podiums and yeah it's so crazy you, so is this the first time and that you may have even thought of the, you may have thought of this before but is this the first time now that you <laughs> suddenly realize that in about 10 years time 12 years' time, you might be performing with people who are saying, I got into hosting quizzes because of you. (laughs) I can't go to pub trivia ever again because I'll be like, oh, this is why I started. (laughs) Can I say that's actually happened to me in the most confronting way? Yeah. Uh, In the early 2000s, I used to write kids' game shows. Uh, Oh, really? Go, go, stop. Yes. It's academic. Shows like this. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And if you watch those shows season by season, you can chart the state of my mental health by by the quality of the questions (laughs) and what they're about. Uh, Suddenly we're doing questions about tree consciousness. I wonder what he's on. Um, But I was uh, about five years ago flirting with a very attractive young lady and it came out that I used to write Go Go Stop and she goes, oh my God, I used to watch that when I was growing up. That's so cool. And I never felt so fucking aged out and wow. inappropriate mm. in that situation. Wow. Really well, my unpl- weird one now really. is Skit House. So people who were teenagers or in primary school when that came out 20 years ago say, oh, I loved you on Skit. You sh- that was the best show ever. You <laughs> right. should do that again. And it's like, well, it's not the best show ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was good. Uh, you know, you should do it again. It's like, they're like, why don't you do it again? And, and I, they love the show and I, can't, I don't quite have the heart to say to them, because I wasn't paid very much. Yeah. It took ages. Yeah. And sticking a moustache on is fucking annoying. Yeah. And, uh, and and guess what? Like, I hate to say this. I've moved on. Yeah. It was 20 years ago. An episode of Hard Quiz takes 45 minutes to shoot. Yeah. yeah. One Australian fast bowler sketch would take three hours and it would come out at a minute and a half. Right. I'm sorry. It's just, it's a, it's about, it's the ratio for me. It's, it's, always, it's all about the airtime. Yeah. Would you ever bring back the... Uh, Australian fast bowler? No. Not at all? Oh, do, you, do, you know what I, do you know what I learned? As a live show? It's the fucking age of the reboot. You yeah. could bring it back to <laughs> yeah. millions of dollars. This could be a movie. Like you ran <laughs> in Netflix TV series? <laughs> I ran into the makeup artist who used to get me done up for the Australian fast bowler recently, and it was so annoying. We were just chatting, uh, just had ran into her. Her name's Monica. She's great. And we were talking about how annoying it was that every time I'd have this chest hair glued on that was black, so I had black chest hair to look like Dennis Lilly, and how and how it was her spirit coming out to tear it off. Oh. And, and she was like, yeah, it used to be really painful because you had chest hair. And I'm like, yeah. And then she looked at me and she said, we should have just dyed your chest hair black. And I'm like, 
Why the fuck are you telling me this 20 years after the fact? Amazing. Because I could have dyed my chest hair black and never had to glue it on ever. And felt really good about and yourself. It would have been like, fine. No one would see it. But also having a shower, catching yeah. yourself in the mirror. Look at that chest yeah. hair. Yeah. Yeah. That feels nice. I've got quite a hairy chest, but it's red. But I could have right. just dyed it black. Anyway. Wow. That yeah. is hilarious. There's been a lot of advancements in makeup yeah. technology <laughs> over the last 20 years. That's so good. Oh, um, so I have uh, five random questions that I've Great. written for you. Lovely. And uh, there's one I'm really excited about, but I'm going to save it for a second. I'm going to give us a warm-up one. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> Tell me something that you once loved, but you no longer love, that you're no longer into. Oh, I've got a good one. Great. Absolutely love the go-betweens. Right. They're one of my favourite bands. Oh, right. And just because I just thought, wow, this is a band that's artistic and lyrical and proudly Australian. And also Grant McClellan was from, um, you know, the country. Yep. Talked about being on a farm. I grew up on a farm, loved it. And, and as a kid, I thought this is the best thing ever. And then a year ago, I started listening to a band called Television from New York who predate them by five years. And they sound exactly mm-hmm. the fucking same. And I've been living with thinking that Robert Forster was a genius for 20 and I didn't know that he he basically ripped off television wholesale the guitars the voice the lyrics the whole thing you know how there's a go-between bridge in Brisbane it should be called the television fucking bridge because television the good news is now I love television right they're a great band but you can't listen to the go-betweens again is it that full on I'm so dumb I was thinking Sonic Youth were influenced by the go-betweens because they had dissonant guitars and now I realise that no, no, Sonic Youth listened to television because they are also from New York, you fucking idiots. (laughs) (laughs) Is it that that much of a rip-off or is it more homage? Well, you could call it an homage. legitimate, right? It is an homage and they're definitely influenced by them, but I thought that they were really, really original. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. And they're nowhere near as original as I thought. In their early incarnation. That's devastating. Yeah. That happens in comedy all the and time. And now Lindy Morrison, the drummer, is doing ads for fucking Apia. Right. <laughs> Wait, what's, what's Apia? Australian Pensioners Insurance ah. Agency. The drummer is doing ads for Australian Pensioners Insurance Agency. I'm fucking dead. They're dead to me. Oh, man. That I'm going is... to I'm gonna delete them from my Apple Music file. Wow. I don't have one. No. <laughs> Maybe say... you'll get one. I'm going to get my CDs back from the Vinnie DePaul that I handed them all into and then get them back out and smash them. Right. Wow. <laughs> Do a big, a, a big CD burning. What a sweet turn. Oh. I was expecting that. That was a warm-up question. Yeah. It's coming hot. All right. I love that, though. Mm. How far through... So, hang on. How did you hear television? Were you just... like? Did you just going through old albums, uh, old bands, thinking, oh, I've never listened to them? Because that's what I did with Roxy Music last year. I was like, yeah. I kind of know some of their songs, but I don't know them... Gave it a hard listen. There was a book called, I think it's called 1973. Oh, yeah. And it's just about all the music yeah. that was released in that year, I think. I'm pretty sure I've got the year right. Yeah. And it to, you know, it talks about how basically that was a music crossroads. There's also a doco now on Apple yes. TV called 1971. Same yes. thing. They're just saying that it was a crossroads when everything changed and television was given heavy praise. And I'm like, I have not heard any of their stuff. And I listened to their... They released two albums in the 70s, and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I am an idiot. I've been hoodwinked by Robert Forster and Grant McClellan. So they should be uh, the go-betweens, the television down-under experience. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then you'll yeah. bring you back from the edge. Yeah. Have it, you had that no, with No, they called Idiot Box, wouldn't they? Idiot Box, oh, the Australian yeah. television show. <laughs> 
Have you had that with a band or an no, artist? I, I came to music like quite. I, I didn't. I wasn't a music listener when I was a teenager. Oh, really? No, because I grew up in the northern beaches of Sydney, so everyone was into Nirvana and Pearl Jam, which mm. just didn't speak to me. Yeah, I liked musicals <laughs> and novelty <laughs> songs from The Simpsons and Animaniacs. That yeah. was like what I thought music was. <laughs> and. It, <laughs> Yeah. You know the Yakko Yakko Warner world travel song where mm. he sings all of the countries in the world in two minutes. Oh yeah, I yeah. love the lyrical complexity of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But like rock music just didn't do it for me. And then anytime I turned the radio on, it was Mumbo Number no. Five or the Goo Goo Dolls <laughs> or whatever. So in my mind, music was bad. Uh, and then when I was about 20, I had a friend who started, you know, he gave me Radiohead, he gave me Frank Zappa, um, Modest Mouse, a whole bunch of that stuff. So my music knowledge is not dense enough to feel betrayed by the homage. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like a lot of the time when I, like I have that with film. Like yeah. I'll see a film and go, wow, what an original thing. And then I'll realize, oh no, you just literally ripped off a Hitchcock movie. Like I saw a lot of Brian De Palma films as a teenager. And then you go back and you're like, oh my God, it's shot for shot Hitchcock. Yeah. I yeah. think homage in film is maybe more acceptable. Right. Like that kind of we're building on a legacy and that yeah, kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, we're but building this... on the foundations yeah. of. But that's kind of what happens in music as well. Like, you know, that, it's such a, it's tricky, isn't it? Because once upon a time, it's like, oh, we're going to take that that baseline like what is it uh, that the Beatles got done for Come Together which was uh, it had a lyric that was similar to a Chuck Berry song and they had to mm. put Chuck Berry in as a as a co-writer. co-writer because of it you know so uh, and then in uh, in recent times it was Blurred Lines where they just thought they were sampling a part of a Marvin Gaye song and then the Marvin Gaye estate has come in and gone, no, we're going to take half your royalties. Thank you very much. So it's it's tricky in music, isn't it? Mm. Like you, you, you never see yeah. a, a, a director suing another director for having the same shot. But it depends. for me, it's if you've had your mind blown. So you mentioned Nirvana and I was already into Sonic Youth when Nirvana came out and yep. the bass player wore a Sonic Youth T-shirt. Yep. So when everyone was having their mind blown by Nirvana... My mind had already been blown, so it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. That's just a bit of an. That's a, more of a pop improvement on Sonic Youth. Like it's, it's, it's been done. Don't worry about it. And I'd already yeah. listened to Mud Honey and all that other grunge yep. stuff. So, for me, it's more. There's nothing wrong with the homage, but it, yeah, it would be like me. Like imagine if I'd enjoyed Nirvana all this time and then yeah. discovered Sonic Youth this year. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be like, what? Yeah. But that was there all along. But do you oh. think that you would get into Sonic Youth, or you'd just be like, oh yeah, that was the soil that Nirvana came out of, and that's okay because everything influences everything influences everything. Well, it depends. If I if I'd embraced it like as a core part of my identity, you're right. It's the, it's the mind blowing thing. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. That's right. Yeah, yeah like yeah, Go Between's yeah. made me start a band. Like that's how close they were to my heart. Yeah, uh, and and now I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> Coming in, coming in hot. I love it. We, sometimes the the homages can ruin the original thing that they're homaging. The, the, so the Simpsons you, did that for me. Well, that's because I, I like the Simpsons was my text as a teenager, probably from eight to eighteen. Yeah. So those first six or seven seasons that I've rewatched recently and are still unimpeachable. Mm. So brilliant. But that's how I came to most of my pop culture and political knowledge was through Mad Magazine or the Simpsons. So, because it was this, I had a moment when I was eight years old when I'd watched. I don't, maybe you guys don't remember it. It's the King Kong episode, and Mr. Burns is talking about getting Marge on a boat. Yes, and Smithers goes, "I don't know." 
as far as I'm concerned, women and semen don't mix. <laughs> and I remember having seen, it was like the fifth or sixth time I'd seen the episode and then eight years old going, oh my God. And it was this moment of, well, if I didn't get that reference or that joke, what else am I not understanding? So it became this very, like, like very directed thing to try and figure out what all the references were. So yeah. basically every movie I watched subsequent to that, Clockwork Orange Citizen Kane was through the filter of Simpsons. Right. Yeah. So it was, n- nothing was ever new. It, w- it was always part of a pastiche or an homage. Did it ruin it though? Or did maybe sometimes? Yeah, occasionally, yeah. Like yeah. twists, you know, like I, I could never watch Planet of the Apes without knowing that yes. they're on Earth, you know, yeah. because of the Troy McClure musical in The Simpsons. Yeah. But, you know, like other things, it was... It, uh, sometimes it'd be an Easter egg. Yes. Some, sometimes you would watch something and there's an episode where Bart's reaching for two cupcakes yeah. and his eyes are rolling in the back of his head and that's yeah. a reference to Alex from A Clockwork Orange reaching for two tits. Yeah. So yeah. when I saw that for the first time, it was more like an Easter egg. Pop, yeah. Pop culture Easter egg. Well, this I, is going to blow your mind because I'm just a little bit older than you yeah. I just understood the references <laughs> that would have been nice and it was so much more satisfying because <laughs> yeah. okay. I would watch it and I'd laugh and go ah, that reminds me of Cockroach yeah. Orange not have to spend your entire childhood digging yeah. through the refuse of pop culture yeah. what that, do you mean? Well, I think I was all, yeah I would have been I was 18 I think when it started is that right no is it, we're about right is that right no you were adults when Simpsons started it started in 89 yeah. it was in year 11 in 19 <laughs> I was yeah. in year 10 in 1989. It started around the... It, uh, it was when Channel 10 was cool. And it had... Remember uh, Seinfeld. Uh, yeah, but uh, I, the I think Simpsons it was 91 when it actually started being on free-to-air. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Seinfeld. Right. But yeah, by then I was at uni, so... Yeah. The... Uh, for me, uh, I find it really hard to watch Pulp Fiction because that style was... You know, like the style and the, the format of the movie yeah. was suddenly, you know, pretty much the the same kind of style that was used in every indie movie from from early to mid 90s yeah. and then when i watch it now it's like oh this is a bit slow and i've seen all of this but i remember when i first saw it oh. how much i loved it because i hadn't seen that before yeah it felt quick yeah i think i was yeah there's like john travolta walks down a corridor and then turns left and leaves through a door and it's like that took ages yeah <laughs> Like by modern film standards. That'd be Paul Greengrass shaking. I had that with Snatch recently. I hadn't seen Snatch in 20 years and I loved that movie as an 18-year-old. Yeah. And it is unfucking watchable It's yeah. unwatchable. Every line, it's, you know, and it's that very stylized form of delivery, which at the time was really cool, whereas now it's so affected and it's like, ah, oh, please stop trying to be cool and hardcore. And it's yeah. been mimicked by a thousand commercials. And, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, in, you know in, in the cultural zeitgeist what Guy Ritchie became. So, you know, it's yeah. hard to watch stuff in a vacuum anymore. I've been working with someone recently who told me that Guy Ritchie threatened to beat him up at a... Um, at a uh, award show and was because he'd made a joke about Madonna and he was going <laughs> to beat him up and he had to keep on the move throughout yeah, right. this award show because Guy Ritchie was going to fucking job him. And he would have done, done it like that as well. You know, I'm going to fucking job you. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, the reason I asked was uh, last night you, I got home and I was pretty tired and, you know, when you're just kind of channel flicking and then you see a movie that you always love yeah. but you haven't watched for a long time yeah. and then you start watching it and you go, Jesus, this has not aged well and that was from Dust Till Dawn. Hey. Which was kind of a, like I always enjoyed it as a fun film. I didn't think anything more of it. And it was kind of the first film that uh, Clooney did after ER, which was like, oh, look, he can mm. be in a film. And funnily enough, it's Quentin Tarantino's performance, which is... Oh, he's dog shit. Oh, like you're talking it up. 
It's awful. <laughs> and it's just so bad. Yeah. And it's yeah, he's just, always terrible. Yeah, but it's particularly yeah. because he's being cool. Like, at least in, like, he's not cool in Reservoir Dogs. Like, his character's not cool. And he's not cool in Pulp Fiction, but he's kind of like, even though he's the, the lesser brother who's a little bit creepy and everything, yeah. like, standing next to Clooney, you're watching him going, like, he's even kind of got the similar haircut, and you're going, what is happening with that head? Why <laughs> did 90s and early 2000s cool age so poorly... But 1940s and 50s cool is still fucking cool. Well, it might not have been... Like, maybe 40s and 50s cool wasn't cool in the 60s. Yeah. Sure. Yep. So, okay. And now, you know, maybe maybe in 10 years' time or something, we'll look back at it and go, oh, yeah, no, that's all right. It's back. Oh, maybe. But, I'm but, terrified to rewatch stuff like The Matrix. Like, Matrix is good. Is it hold up? Matrix holds up. They're wearing a lot of leather and the... No, it, 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 but it feels... But now, because of... In, in all honesty, now watching The Matrix, because of superhero movies, it just feels like a costume. Uh, okay. Less than a fashion statement. Right. Which gets me to my next question for you. Uh, Did everyone see uh, I, I By the way, you are my two favourite people to ask this about because you're going to be totally into this as a subject. Be furious, but into it. Uh, and Tom, you're not going to give a shit. And it's a perfect blend. <laughs> What Did if it's anyone, the reverse? Well, uh, I, I just have a feeling. Okay. Mm. Well, you know, if you want to be contrary, but I know you both well. Mm. How much of the controversy this week on social media did you follow about Batman going down on Catwoman? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, here's the photo. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> He's eating... What? Is that real? Yeah, so... Um, Batman's eating Catwoman now. Yes. That's yes. That's cool. So, so there was a. It came out that there was a, the R-rated Harley <laughs> Quinn Harley Quinn TV episode was going to have Batman go down on Catwoman, and they they right. mixed it because they're going to sell toys and things like that. And yeah. so then there was this whole controversy about you know whether he would or wouldn't etc. And then this picture was posted with one word that just said "Canon." Would you like to guess, Ben Elwood? Who posted that photo? They did not. Uh, it's that a photo. Picture. It's a drawing. They, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't draw it. But do you want to know? Grant Morrison. No. No. Uh, have a think. Have a think. Is it a comics person? No. I don't know. Zack Snyder. Ah. Oh. See, I feel like you should have. Yuck. <laughs> that would be up Zack Snyder's out. Like, look, I think it's... Co- did that really cause a controversy that a fictional oh, yeah. character yeah. that's yeah. drawn For, a... No, 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 but, no, 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 but that's... it. The, the controversy was that they didn't allow it to be in the Harley Quinn R-rated cartoon. I... But... That, that's just what he posted and there's been all this controversy about people talking about whether Batman would go down on Catwoman <laughs> and it essentially was one of those things where... I've been out on comics for a while now. Like, I've lost more and more interest over the last few years. I just think they're kind of repeating themselves. I think once you go postmodern on an art form, it's done. Do you know Mm. what I mean? There's nowhere else to go. And I just looked at that and went... Yeah, that feels about right on where I feel I'm at with. That's an exclamation yeah, point yeah, yeah. on no more. Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I think that I think all of these things. It's a, it is. That a, sounds like you don't like going down on people, though. You're like, that's it. I'm out. Yeah, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm still into Batman. I'm just not going to go down on women anymore. That's um, sorry. I'm out. Um, I'm taking down my my site, and uh, anyone who's paid money, yeah. I will refund. I like that you said. Did, did you follow the? 
the commentary on Twitter. And at that point, I was going to go, no. Yeah. <laughs> you I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I read Twitter, but sometimes I'll see, uh, I don't know, sometimes when there's some kind of concern, yeah. I'm like, I just scroll past it. I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah, they're going to try to... I- I can see what this is about. Yeah. Isn't, it, isn't it just a bunch? Like, because there was a con- controversy, whatever. I don't know what constitutes that word now. But wasn't there a comic a couple of years ago where Batman's cock was hanging out? Yeah. And everyone freaked out about that. Yeah. The bat dong. And I do get it. Like, you know, I, I love that. I love mm. that stuff. But it is essentially for children. Yeah. And I feel like what's happening now is there's a generation of dudes that cannot let go of their fucking things that they loved when they were children. Yeah. And so yeah. instead of just kind of evolving as human beings and going, that's no, fine, you can still enjoy mm. Batman. But you, they're, they're trying to inject this like edginess or this raw sexuality into it that's completely well, incongruent with the source material. It's, 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 I don't. Batman does, doesn't have sex. He's it's, a fucking drawing. It's the thing that we have talked about before. Our favorite writer, Grant Morrison, when someone at a what was it at a convention said, mm. "How does uh, Batman get all the petrol for the Batmobile?" He said. He's, he's a drawing. He doesn't need it. He's made a paper. <laughs> he's made a paper. It works, about. mate. <laughs> what so are you worried this, about? But this is my fundamental problem with all the, that Zack Snyder yeah. stuff. It's that thing of like, these are, I don't know. The, the, it's, it's, it's a bad interpretation of Superman when you can't take a 10-year-old to see the Superman movie. Yes. Because Superman's snapping necks and fucking people. It's like, uh, like... Yeah. I'm not against sex and violence, but where it's appropriate, right? Yeah. Also... Batman going down on Catwoman in in costumes. Like if they, if we changed those costumes and they were furries, we'd all be going, "Oh, that's a bit much." But, <laughs> <laughs> but also, it brings up the uh, the fundamental question: uh, which version of Batman would go down on Catwoman? Nineteen sixties, yeah, absolutely, Adam, Adam West. West. Thank yeah. you, one hundred percent. Wait, yeah, definitely. Were there actually people? Getting into an argument because you know, like when you said the Twitter controversy, I had a similar reaction. I don't follow this. Like, were mm. people getting out? What were they getting outraged about? Well, were, were, they, every, were every, there like incels going, Batman would never eat pussy? That's no, demeaning. Well, everything from uh, you know, it's it's children's stuff to what are you doing to. Yeah, no, of course he'd go down on her and all that kind of commentary. <sighs> yeah. And it was just making me laugh. I was actually I was actually at the chase doing work and then, you know, I'd have little moments and I'd just click back on and read and go, fuck, these people are insane. Like, and it went on for days oh, and yeah. I could not stop laughing. Yeah. It was the funniest thing I had seen people, in a long time. Like people don't have enough, like, do people not have enough drama in their lives? No. Like, I can't imagine caring about <laughs> anything that much. To be spent four days <laughs> typing my fucking opinions on it. It's like, who? Yeah, I know. It's just a comic book. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be okay. Like, remember when I told you I saw Man of Steel? Yeah, you Cinema? said I'm out. That's yeah. a fucked up movie, man. No, I was... Because I really liked Superman when I was a kid. Yeah. The first one with Christopher Reeve. Very exciting. And I've been wanting to recreate that feeling. So the, the Brandon... What's Ralph, it? Ralph, right, one yeah, came yeah, out yeah. and it wasn't quite right, no. so I was a bit disappointed. Airplane scene's good, yeah, where he catches the plane, yeah, very good. And then the um, so Man of Steel came out and I was watching it in a cinema in Perth and I really wanted it to be great because I because I, I wanted to recapture that moment. And then at the end I was rather underwhelmed. And then I thought, I think it, even then I was like forty. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? I was in the cinema on my own. I thought I'm forty. I've got kids. Yep. 
I shouldn't give a shit about this. Well, and so I, then I never watched a superhero film ever again well, until I, I could watch them with my kids. Right yeah, now, it makes yeah, sense yeah. again. Yeah, he's back from the edge. <laughs> but I think yeah. what people don't realize what this stuff is. It's not. It's a lot of the time. It's not the thing. It's the feeling that the thing gives you, and yeah. you can continually have that feeling. Yeah, you're not going back to the same two dimensional well. Over and over again for decades. Like at, at, yeah. a, at a certain point, a man dressing up like a bat, yeah. and like it's it's so st- like yeah. at some point, like exactly, you're forty and you got yeah. kids, and it's like well, you know, like the, the I think stories you, should not be as relevant as you move through life. You should get new stories for the, whatever mm. phase you're in. I think you can still enjoy things, yeah. but it's when you. I think the problem is is when you start like. You know, there's a difference between something being operatic and big and and full of big set pieces, and it's it's the same. It, like it's like going to a Bourne movie. Do you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. But when you start bringing in weird shit like that, Stupid. it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, what are you yeah. doing with your time? Well, it, to me, because especially when it's at the expense of when we were reading stuff, and there was all like you know, probably the most influential person in pop culture still at this very point is Alan Moore mm. and we were reading his stuff like throughout the 80s and 90s and it's a you know he wrote Watchmen which inspires a limited TV series which gets a law changed in Oklahoma like his stuff is still having this yeah. knock on effect yeah. you know the anonymous wears the Guy Fawkes marks from V for Vendetta I just haven't felt anything like that for such a long time yeah. and I feel like I kept going back to the art form almost out of habit Hmm. And then it was like one of the best things that happened during lockdown. I'm the only person in the world who went lockdown. Fuck, give me another one. I, I made some real progress there. But <laughs> breaking the the ritual of going in on a regular basis mm. made me go, oh, yeah, I'm, I haven't been enjoying this for ages. Yeah. Yeah. But is that, that the case with a lot of things? Right? I hold on to a lot of bad habits out of a sense of duty. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, this is who it's, I am. <laughs> but it's even less than that. It's just, you, that's just what you do. Yeah. And it's like, I just don't need to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. All right, question number three. There's been a lot more talk lately of uh, theoretical scientists talking about how we're living in a simulation. If we are, who's running it? Like an eight-year-old boy, a sadistic eight-year-old boy just going, (laughs) tornado, (laughs) COVID. Just like smashing buttons with his fat little fingers just to see what happens. Yeah, when I had The Sims at 15... I tried for about a day to make a nice house for them and realised how fucking boring it was and how much more fun it was to just spread strife and torture them, delete the toilet, watch them plead to God for a toilet as they wet themselves. Like, there was a real... (laughs) Seriously. Uh. (laughs) There was a glitch in The Sims where if you built them a pool and then they jumped in and you deleted the ladder, they couldn't get out. So they'd just be swimming, like... And at one point, his wife's, like, streaking up and down the pool, imploring me to help. Like, don't let my husband drown and I'm there like yeah. <laughs> wow and of course he died and it was much more gratifying than the little green diamond mm. above their head telling me that they were happy and fulfilled wow <laughs> that says a lot Ben <laughs> says a lot about how powerless I was at the time yes <laughs> so what was the question again if we're living in a simulation who's running it oh what kind uh, of person uh, Daryl Summers <laughs> do you reckon yeah he's running it and it's a TV show right <laughs> That he's developed for Summer's Carol Production Company. Amazing, <laughs> yeah. And it's um, yeah. And he's and it's it's a reality show, and we're all actors in it. We and, we don't realise, and we don't know. No, in fact, we we're just walking around completely oblivious of the fact that we have to send Summer's Carol Productions an invoice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
for appearing in this show. It's like Hey Hey It's Saturday, but just like expanded out into the real world. Well, it's that, that chaos. Yeah. That explains I mean, how he keeps getting work. Yeah. Because he's the star. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh,. So I've mentioned it briefly on this podcast, but I did the writing for uh, Dancing with the Stars, of the writing of the scripts, yes. and it, and the the main reason that I said yes was because for years I would go down to Mario's in in Melbourne and I would see <laughs> Red Red Simons yes. would just come and sit with me, and he was like pretty good fun, yeah. and he would just tell you stories and I would hear all these stories about Daryl and when I got offered this job I was like I don't have any Daryl stories does that mean I'm not really in entertainment so (laughs) I locked in and it was the full Daryl experience have to say one-on-one very gentlemanly very polite Mm. you know Um, shorter than you think yes almost magical (laughs) do you know what I mean like almost (laughs) Almost lick the back of his neck and get some uh, powers, you know, that really? kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, his hair is remarkably still pretty luscious. Mm. I was envious Fuck of that. that. Yeah. Um, he has um, He has some great stories, if you believe stories should go forever and not really finish, but and happen at any moment when you're really yeah. busy. And he was... It was fascinating because he was saying, like, mm. you're a stand-up comedian. How do you still do comedy and I was like well I just try not to be racist, sexist or homophobic or awful <laughs> did, did, during, when, during the heyday like when you guys watched the hey, it hey day. the hey heyday yep. did it were you like me and that it, ignorant enough to not feel like it was that bad I mean obviously in retrospect it is and seeing certain clips now it's like holy shit yeah, but, but, as a but kid, the bad I, clips that they've got, like they are obviously they're bad, yeah. and you know, and everyone's concerned about that. But, wasn't, but to be fair, wasn't they're, that they're, every episode no, of, no, of well, every they've got second. the access to all the episodes? Yeah, and mm. they've okay. So there's the blackface, redface yeah. incident, and there's the Kamal incident. They're the two big ones. Yeah, I can't think of any others. It feels like it should be the it Kamal like incidences. Incidences. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's say there were five. That show, I'm pretty sure it was live for two hours. Yeah, it is. Like for 30, like that's a lot of footage. Yeah. So that's a, if you're trying to be racist, that's a bad hit rate. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got to hit that mark every week. Week in, week out. Tune in. We'll right. be racist this Saturday at 6.30 yeah. on Channel 9. I, I but they didn't, like... they didn't fulfil that promise. No. <laughs> and that's why I've refused to go back and watch it. Yeah. How am I going to get furious about all this stuff? The... But also like... I'd, it's, uh, I shouldn't be defending Hey Hey Saturday, but when when you're a kid, I mean, well, it was easy for me to enjoy because I'm white, I guess. But I, um, it was just the chaos. It was actually that's what was enjoyable about it. That's what was fun. But it's also what makes it not good to rewatch. In the same way that I think that everyone talks about how great Letterman was, but if you watched an old episode of Letterman, mm. you'd probably find it boring because mm. part of the allure was that it was live and it was about things that had happened that day or yesterday or the day before. Yeah. And it and Hey Hey it's Saturday's the same. I just don't think it stands up. Like you wouldn't go back and watch a classic episode of Hey Hey it's Saturday because half of it is just riffing and weirdness. Yeah. But, in live, it was exciting. The, the one of the funniest things I've ever seen was on Hey Hey it's Saturday, and it was what was the name oh. of the guy who uh, used to sell the used cars? Ken something? Ken? Oh, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Commodore. He, yeah. So he used to <laughs> put up. I cars. bring him out. Yeah, yeah. Ken he, Morgan. Ken Morgan. Yes. Big hair. You know, he yeah. runs a car lot. <laughs> anyway, someone won the car, and Red and Wilbur drove it out, and it was the car that they were going to give to the person. But as they were driving out, because they were so busy being, 
you know, idiots and piss farting about. Yeah. They dragged the side of it up against all this perspex and put on this massive dent and ripped all the paint <laughs> off. And you can see Ken Morgan in that moment going, what? gonna have to fix that like what are you doing and the way they just were like oh well that's happened and the absolute anarchy of that moment no i wouldn't go back and watch it but in the moment (laughs) it was great because you saw them all reacting as it happened and it was really funny yeah and there's nothing there's nothing really like because i i really i mean in comedy rooms when that kind of energy is in the space that's my favorite time to be in comedy that real yeah. electric kind of oh fuck yeah, this is happening each other. Yeah. and it couldn't happen any other way and if yeah. the show was happening 10 minutes later it wouldn't be happening like this hmm. um, but there is you know there's no real forum for that no. on yeah. TV at and all it was, really and it was it was chaos and it was it was it, it was kind of daggy fun and mm. invariably you watched it because of the guests like you know mm. and at that age when you were young you know what i want to see <laughs> weirdly john farnham and tom jones All sing right. a song together and riff off each other and as a kid that was entertaining <laughs> that was fun yeah. but i i felt like as it progressed as well you know i think you know and this happens with lots of things it just got tired and i i remember i probably didn't watch however long it was on the last third of my viewing of it, it stopped because it did feel like it started to get more bullying. You know, there was a lot of, there were a lot of, you know, mm. oh, Molly's gay kind of jokes mm. at his expense and all that kind of stuff. And I felt like there was a nastiness that creeped in that either I didn't notice when I was younger or I, I honestly think wasn't there. Yeah, but also you had shows like Good News Week, which were relying on the same kind of chaos and yes. they were just a bit sharper and uh, a well, bit more no. current. That was uh, no. By that stage, you're, you're into the degen. Yeah, you know the degen are coming along, yeah. and it's and it's. Uh, You've got to compare to that, and now and then it's starting to look dated. Yeah, and it's yeah. Robin Santo, you know, yeah. not sticking to script <laughs> and driving Jane Kennedy, and, and like, yeah. you know, mental yeah. or or you know, uh, Rob Sitch being mm. Imran Khan and not sticking to script yeah. and driving Tom Gleisner crazy, you know. So it was that same kind of energy. You also had the big gig by that stage where, mm. you know, you kind of had the cooler, crazier kind of And also you had Rob chaos. Sitch doing uh, Desmond Tutu in blackface and oh, yeah, no one seems yeah. concerned about that. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, that doesn't come up at all, has it? <laughs> no. No, because people like the show. Yeah. Australian TV of that period was fucking insane. Yeah. Remember yeah. Mahatma Coat on the footy show? Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Coat. Banana Ghana. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. yeah. So was... I, I was on Hey Head Saturday. I went on it and it was weird because it was like walking into something you'd watched as a kid and like there's Wilbur and Red and whatever. But the funny thing that happened to me was I'd been boasting to Ellie my wife, uh, that I'd cracked the code on panel shows. And I was telling her the trick on a panel show, because everyone, everyone worries you can't get a word in. Uh. And I felt like I'd cracked the code. And I said, well, on Good News Week, I'd worked out that if you, if you ask Paul a question, it gets you in. So whenever there was too much chaos and I wanted to say a funny line, I'd say, Paul. And he would say, what, Tom? And then I'd say him a funny line. It got me in. So then when I went and did <laughs> I'm like, Daryl, Daryl, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> Ellie was just losing her shit at home because she said all I could you said nothing and I could just hear you constantly saying Daryl off camera because <laughs> no one was listening to anybody Daryl 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 what was Darryl. the segment I can't remember it was like a 
Oh, it was like some kind of queer, celebrity head or something right. like that. One of those things, <laughs> something right. like that, where, where there were three of us sitting on stools doing something. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. There, there was a period when I first started stand up in in Adelaide. Pretty much every act that I knew went and did red faces. <laughs> and yes, I, and I, I this was early on, and I. He will not mind me talking about this because he talks about it all the time. But it was, I'd only known Limo for a little while. And then Limo was going to be on and I was with my friends going, oh, this is this new guy that I've just met and yeah. become friends with. Funny guy, cool guy. Let's watch his spot. And his spot is a disaster. He bombs like a, right. oh, it is a wasteland. <laughs> and it was one right. of those things that when you saw it, it was so bad that the next time you saw him, you just had to just bring it up you just had to bring it like you couldn't pretend that you hadn't seen it you just had to say hey hey didn't go very well did it and he go no <laughs> alright well we need to contact Summers Carol Productions yes and get the original broadcast tapes I think they're called Beta Cam yep uh, and they may not be digitised but they'll certainly be close to high definition if they're broadcast quality it'll be in 4x3 yep and we'll upload it to YouTube <laughs> pristine quality that spot of Lemos oh yeah we've got to get it on YouTube I would not be surprised <laughs> not if... a VHS copy like no. a nice you know something something that'll be shared you can actually see the trickle of sweat yeah. coming down his face <laughs> I would not be surprised if Lemo already has it and he has might. already done it <laughs> I had him on the podcast recently. Yeah. Did you uh, did you hear the story about how he had that uh, joke that he was really happy with about, um, you know, when you turn 100, you get a letter from the Queen and when you turn 16, you get a text from Prince Andrew. And he was so happy with the joke that he put it on Twitter to timestamp it. And then one of the people, <laughs> then, he, then his wife was watching RuPaul's Drag Race and one of the performers did that joke and so he had a bit of back and forth with them and it was all funny and it turned out that their that that person had gotten the line from a friend who'd read it online and i was like <laughs> this is some christopher nolan bullshit you are you are the reason of your demise with this gag yeah. and now he's really upset because they wouldn't air that joke in the uk and that person's been cancelled and now limo's got cancel envy <laughs> He's like, I could have been controversial. Yeah. Oh, how annoying. So anyway, I reckon he does have that clip. And he has put it up on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. What are you loving at the moment? Mm. Anything. Whether it could be TV, movie, music, food. I'm loving 1950s movies at the moment. Oh. Like a total 1950s jag. What what brought that on? uh, I watched... I just on a whim, I watched A Streetcar Named Desire... And it was so much more fucked up than I ever imagined it could be. Had you never seen it before? No. Right. No, I didn't realise how twisted it is. Yeah. And I think it's just that thing where... Can you, can you sum it up for people who haven't seen it? I don't want to ruin it. No, no, no. Just the... No, no, no. I don't mean like... Oh, tell okay. The, just what... Oh, what Streetcar Named Desire. It's, it's, the, it's the first movie that Marlon Brando kind of popped in. It's uh, set in New Orleans in the 40s, I think. And he plays Stanley Kowalski, a really abusive... But very charismatic, drunk, and yep. he's married to a woman whose insane sister comes for a visit. Yeah, uh, and I think I, I think I think we're all we're all very much live in the time that we live, and it's really easy to think like, oh, we're kind of the smart version of humanity right now, or we're the leading edge, or the cynicism that exists is only recent. And all of these 50s movies I'm watching are so dark and so cynical about the state of play as it was then. I think we, I think it's easy to look back at the, a period like the 50s and go, you know, maybe everyone was post-war, gee whiz, 
you know, better living through chemistry, all that kind of stuff. But to go back and see, no, there were hardcore cynics. Yeah. Even back then is really eye-opening, which maybe it shouldn't be. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's been really, really cool. Some so, really good stuff. And what else have you been watching? Um, Streetcar Named Desire, a bunch of Billy Wilder movies, Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, I have a real... Yeah, Billy Wilder's great. ...void with Billy Wilder. Oh, it's it, great. You mentioned Billy Wilder to me, I think, last time we caught up, and it yeah. was like, oh, you know what? That is what I need to get There's into. There's a movie I watched recently, Kurt Russell, called Ace in the Hole, and it's about a guy who gets stuck in a cave. And Kurt Russell plays a sleazy journalist who's like, this is the story of the year. And the whole movie is this two-hour unfolding of basically this town turning into a circus um, all waiting for this guy. Is he going to live? Is he not going to live? And it's this in total indictment of the media and sensationalism and journalism and everything. Um, and I guess now especially where everyone's kind of in the fake news era and being hyper cynical to know that no people were 60 years ago were asking right. these questions and they were just as you know in the fore. It's really good stuff. Hang on, when's that Kurt Russell movie? 1951. Oh, Kirk, uh, not Kurt Russell, it would be Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas. Yes, mm. that's Star why Douglas. I was getting confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah 1950s. Yeah, Great movies. right. What about you, Tom? I read a biography of Jack Nicholson, which I really enjoyed. It's a trashy biography. It's the same guy who wrote a biography of Steve McQueen. And oh, it, it basically, yeah. it's one of those guys, you know, it's the kind of biography where you, just, you basically just roll through their life. Yeah. And it's just, it's full of unsubstantiated quotes. So right. it's, it's really nice to read. <laughs> but it's sort of like I didn't know his career in detail. So I've been going back and watching the films that sort of got him to where he was. Oh, yeah. So what have you watched? Uh, well, I'd always seen Easy Rider, so I knew about that. Yeah. But then I, so I watched the, it was probably a magical three in a row. It was the five easy pieces, mm. the last detail, and yeah. one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. And, oh, sorry, and Chinatown, sorry, before that one. Yeah. And, yeah, it's great. It's good just watching him sort of like, it's all there. Last uh, detail, even in the first so one, good. last detail, it's all there. It's so good, and it's um, it's amazing watching it emerge. But also, I had the pleasure of knowing that my wife had never seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, oh. and I hadn't watched it since I was a teenager. So yeah. that was an extremely satisfying film to watch again. Can, can I ask it was you a just question? So good, yeah. So when I, I I I had a similar thing. I watched it when I was a teenager, and Randall yeah. was my hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I watched it a couple of months ago. Yeah, and I suddenly empathised with Nurse Ratchet. Yes, ha- did that yes. happen to you? Yeah, of course. all of a sudden you were like, I get it. You know, yeah, fuck the man and fuck authority, but she's just trying to do her fucking job, bro. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought it was really interesting that that turning point where Nurse Ratchet, you like when he when she says she still wants to help him, yeah. and you're like, does she mm. or right. not? Mm. That's a very good turning point. But my favourite part of the film was when they have a big party and they drink so much that they don't leave. Yeah. And it was the perfect time to escape and the window was open. And there's a moment where Jack Nicholson is drunk and you can tell he's almost falling asleep. Yeah. And he looks out the window and he looks back at the crowd and you can see him thinking, can I leave these people? I should be leaving now. Am I going to leave? But it's where I realised just how good he was at acting because mm. my wife and I kept talking about it. I think the camera's on him for about two minutes and mm. he says nothing. Yeah. And, it's, and it feels like it's in slow motion, but it's not. Yeah. And you're like, wow. Like just getting so much information out just by some looks. That yeah. is a, a crazy year for actors and movies. So uh, 
Jack Nicholson, of course, won the Best Actor yeah. Award. Finally which, got it. Which he deserved. Because and it was it's considered overdue as well because yeah. he'd, he'd been nominated a few times. Wait, what year are we talking? So this 70s. is so it came out in 75, so yeah. it's the 76 uh, Oscars. And the one Jaws was in there too, wasn't it? Maybe? Well, the, the person that he beats is it's like any other year this person would have won. No, 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 no. It's Al Pacino and Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, and yeah. that is, and as you know, like that is a spectacular performance. Yeah. And then you've got Nicholson in yeah. Cuckoo's Nest. So that year, the movies were Nashville, which is a great film, yeah. Jaws, uh, Barry Lyndon. Barry Lyndon is Linden, so sorry. fucking good. Dog yeah. Day Afternoon and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That's 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 crazy. And you look at the Best Picture nominees now, it's like... I used okay. to watch all the... I used to quite ceremoniously watch all the Best Picture nominees every year, but I've nah. stopped doing that the last couple of nah. years. There's just some where you're like, oh, I can see why this was nominated. It's I'm fine. This one's a bit too worthy. So... Um, <laughs> so as uh, you've, you've dipped in and out as a guest on this uh, podcast, but you know this is a pretty positive podcast that mm-hmm. likes to celebrate art and entertainment. But where Ben and I draw the line is The Shape of Water, and we <laughs> fucking hate that film, and we refuse that's not the only to place like I it. I draw the line. There's no, a lot, but Shape of no, Water. No, 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 yeah. no. That's yeah. it's but, absurd. But normally, when we draw the line on something, we're, yeah. we're still looking for. Like we found some positive things to say about Zack Snyder's Justice yeah, League. Yeah, sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we refuse. We have drawn the line on that film, and it. Is but, it, but it, all the, all the best picture nominees now? It, it's like you can see the machine and the industry of the Academy well, grasping for relevance, and it, that's why it's a, there's no there's there's very few courageous choice. I feel like the last courageous choice was like Mad Max Fury Road for best picture, hmm. and maybe I'm true traditionalist, but even there's a part of my head that's like, uh, is it though? Like it's very yeah. good, but is it? Best picture. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, you know, uh, so... Did Parasite uh, win Best Picture? Yes. yes. I thought that was very that's, worthy and a bold choice because it was a, a bold choice. That's a bold choice, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the, and a great film. The, the thing that ruined the Oscars for me was I, I, I used to love it. I used mm, to... Mum and I used to watch it all the time and it was just a, a fun, you know, you'd be rooting for someone, mm-hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was the year... It wasn't the year that Shakespeare in Love won. It was discovering... Oh how it won yep. and because it ended up uh, be, beating Saving Private Ryan and it was the machinations behind the scenes mm. of the you know going in and, uh, mm. and throwing parties and all of that kind of stuff that got him the win and that's when I that was actually the moment that I turned off from awards in general because it's like oh rarely like I was pretty naive up until that point but I did sort of think it was on merit, even mm. if you did give an Oscar to someone who maybe didn't deserve it for that, but, you know, maybe they'd been pipped at the post a few times and then you just go, oh, no, it's it's all it's all political bullshit. And, 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 and like uh, celebrities doing ads where they used to, you know, go to Japan so they wouldn't be seen in the mainstream, now it's just like, no, that's the, the way you do it. The courting the Academy voters is just part of the thing now. Mm. They talk about it openly. Yeah. Like when Leo won his one, he was talking about all the parties that he had to go to to Gladhand. And at that point, it's like, well, it's, you're not even winning an award for being a great mm. actor. You're just winning an award for being a great, having a great press agent or whatever yeah, it is. Being like a good hang. Yeah, yeah, it's not. I don't know. I kind of get it, though, because it's like it's industry voted. And so they're just trying to influence the opinions of the industry. Yeah. And so, but also to give you another insight into it, I'm a member of um, the Actors in Australia, uh, AACTA. Because I've been nominated in the past, I get to vote on who wins awards. Mm. 
you know what the frightening thing is? You don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I vote because I think, oh, you know, the number of times I've sat at home and watched the Oscars and think this person should win, this person was yeah, outdone. Yeah, yeah. But when it really comes to the crunch, I go down to vote and I'm like, I can't be fucked watching these Australian films. Yeah. So I just vote for fucking Red Dog or whatever. Yeah. So... <laughs> It's like because it's too many. The there was one made me feel good. There's one point where I looked at all the voting and I tallied it up. I was like, I would have to watch something like 20 hours of footage no. to vote yeah. to vote ethically. And I'm like, I'm just not doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not saying anything that's a surprise to me yeah. now, but back then oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah, did yeah. think everyone was going to watch that. Like I was naive enough for a long time that you know the the TV show that got the Emmy for best show. That I was like, man, how do they have time to watch? All of those shows, oh, and then buddy. you go, and then you go. Oh yeah. no, they watch one episode, and that—that's why there's always in a season there was always one episode. The Emmy that's episode. A, the Emmy episode, mm. you know, yes. and then yeah, you submit one. Then if yeah. there's a whole series where it's all intricate and refers back on itself, there's nothing for you to be able to show because I go, I don't know what's going on here. This isn't very good. Mm. By the way, just out of interest, I went to the previous year's Oscars as well because it was such a good year, mm. and uh, the movies nominated were the. Towering Inferno. Oi. So that's interesting. Uh, yeah, that's not really award worthy, is it? Well, you know, like it's. That seems like a glass like for relevance nomination. It's fun. Towering Inferno was a big hit. Yeah, well, they had Steve McQueen and Paul, Paul Newman, Newman in this, and they couldn't decide to put who higher on the marquee. So I think they, whoever's name was higher, was to the right. Right. And yeah. whoever's name was lower was to the left. Yeah, good times. Right. <laughs> no, so, so I think Steve McQueen was to the left and low, and Paul yep. Newman was to the right and high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what so happened. No one's got top billing. No, nobody get upset. <laughs> so, but uh, Lenny. Lenny's uh, a great film. The Conversation. Yeah. Chinatown. Great. Oh, Conversation's great. Yeah, I, I've like only seen it. I, 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 I had the wrong eyes for it. Oh, Chinatown's yeah. great. Chinatown's Why is Chinatown so fucking good? I don't know. It's just it's better than so I remember. Good. I think it's yeah. just that it, when you watch it, it feels really, really. You know, I can tell it's seventies Hollywood getting off of. Getting off on making a period film of the 30s, whenever it's set, and subverting the genre as well. But the weird thing is, when you watch an old film that's about old days, it makes it feel more real. Mm. So it makes it feel like, oh, this was definitely shot in the 30s. Yeah, in beautiful Panavision. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But then color. But the the movie that comes in and and takes it all is Godfather Part Two. Like, what a good year. Yeah. But how's this for so best actor? You have Albert Finney on Murder on the Orient Express. Um, I, I don't know. I can't comment on that. Dustin Hoffman as Lenny. Uh, Jack Nicholson in Chinatown. Al Pacino in The Godfather Part Two. Now, mm. that's, for me, that's that's the movie that he mm. deserves the Oscar oh, yeah, for. Yeah. Because he doesn't that, get it, does he? No. Nah, nah, it's Art oh, Carney it's in... No, it's Art Carney in Harry and Tonto. What's Harry and Tonto? No, but there's, there's a theory what happened that year. I know the theory because it was in the book that I read about Jack Nicholson. The, the, the vote was split. Between uh, what? Between Nicholson and Pacino. And, and so he's done a Steve Bradbury. Yeah, because yeah, it splits for all the people that are big fans of the new Hollywood. They get split. Right. And so then he sails through. As, right. Yeah. Right. So he's done a Scott Morrison's probably a closer... <laughs> I, 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 analogy. I, I, I feel better with Steve Bradbury. Thank you very much. <laughs> do, do you have a Do you have a, a favorite or a couple of favorite films, Tom? Uh what I uh, yeah uh, yes yeah. There's lots. There's some. What films do I find watching over and over again? That's the real question, isn't it? What is ones that like changed your 
Apocalypse Now is such an obvious one, but I always watch it over and over again. Have you Can't seen the, Have you seen the new Coppola cut of it that came out a year or two ago? Not no, I've only seen Redux. I didn't really like Redux. I thought that there were there were some bits that added to it big time, like the whole um, French plantation scene was just amazing. Yeah, and it's so great and beautifully shot. Yeah. But then there was another thing where they ended up actually hooking up with the Playboy bunnies, and it was just a bit languid. That's and out it's, of the new cut. Ah, you got to see the new it's cut. Too, it, and they're in the rain, and yeah. it's just sort of it takes a long time, they, and it's they like keep a, a part a drag. of that scene. Oh yeah. But and they've. I should see the new It cut. is out of control. It's what? out of control. It's more psychedelic than the previous version. So there's Redux. So what's this one called? Uh, the final cut. Final cut. But so this one's shorter. Then marginally, Redux. marginally, it keeps the French plantation scene, which I personally don't like because I feel like it's a bit of a stopgap. But mm. whatever. But it streamlines the fat from Redux. Yeah. It is. I went and saw it front row at the Orpheum a couple right. of years ago, and it was uh, it was one of those like religious experiences. Yeah. You know how you know you love watching movies, but it's rare to sit there for two and a half hours and not think about anything else other than this yeah. experience. And it was just unbelievable. Sorry, where did you see it? At the Orpheum. Orpheum. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. That's what I, I thought. That's what you said. One um, of my favorite directors cuts things is. And I'm sure I've told you this before. Is Peter Weir's director's cut of Picnic at Hanging Rock was shorter than the original? Oh right! I think he's the only director who had the discipline to go, "Okay, I finally get my own cut. Yeah, it's got to be shorter." Yeah, <laughs> Every, everyone else is stuffing in a whole lot of things yeah, that you're just going, new. "I don't need any of this." Yeah. You know, sometimes constriction is a good thing. Totally. Yeah. Totally. You know. Well, speaking of Apocalypse Now, that's why so much of it is so brilliant. It was the restrictions of. You know, like the famous story about Brando turning up to set obese, yeah. not learning his lines, and that's why he's shot in those weird shadows, just yeah. mumbling about snails crawling on razor blades, and it's so much better than if mm. he'd been ripped and, you know, oh, I'm here in the jungle with my army. It makes it so much more surreal. And... <laughs> that's exactly how they would yeah. do it now um, as yeah. well. <laughs> what's, what's the... Uh, so uh, maybe this is the answer, but what would be the movie that you'd be angriest about if they remade? <laughs> One of those ones. Oh, imagine if they made Apocalypse Now, but with all uh, CG. No, no, no. But they turned, but it, they turned it into a series on Stan (laughs) with Chris Pratt. (laughs) Bro, those series, I can't handle them. Chris Pratt as Marlo. They did Catch-22 like that. They turned it into a prestige series. I know, that was clear. Oh, did they? Oh, yeah. dude. And I like, I mean, speaking of stuff I haven't revisited, but, you know, that book meant a lot to me. And I tried watching the series and it's like beat for beat for beat the book and I don't need it in my fucking life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. Don't need CG planes. Just leave it, mate. Just leave it. It's good as a book. Just leave it. 2001, maybe add some lasers. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. Add some lasers, some lightsabers. <laughs> All right. Well, so just one more thing about oh, yeah. um, reneging on a cut. Uh, you know when Lucas was doing all the uh, special editions for Star Wars? Yeah. Spielberg jumped on board temporarily and redid E.T. Yes. With a CG E.T. Yes. And I don't know if no, 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 it wasn't a CG. Oh, sorry. No, sorry, go yeah, on. it was a full CG E.T. Was it? He replaced the puppet wholesale and it was just this gross mm. CG creation ah. that is clearly CG and all the ex- too expressive, all the rest. And he, after a few years, withdrew it and apologised. Ah, so, <laughs> I, so I know that exact story. Uh, I like to think but- Steven Spielberg would have a special login to Netflix and things like that and he could just delete and, and change yeah, films yeah. he likes. Uh, like you just drag and click them like files. <laughs> yeah. Like Word documents. It's like, blip, that's I, gone. I'm, I'm happy for him to have that power yeah. as well. I feel like he'd do the right thing. I, I, so I know that exact story, but not... Uh, 
not CGI ET. Right. I I was under the impression that the, the what he did was because of all the gun violence yes, in America, he, he took the well. guns out and he put yes. the walkie talkies. Walkie-talkies, and then he realised, no, you have to put the guns in, and he put the guns back. Yeah, yeah no, he, he he just got rid of that culture. Because there's all sorts of things he changed. There's a line where the mother says, you look like a terrorist. Right. And it was post 9-11. So everyone right. was like, we can't have the word terrorist in E.T. So oh, that was yeah. taken out. And- yeah. Thank goodness. I, I rewatched that a few a few years ago now, but after that, mm. after that cut had been... And it's a perfect film. Mm. Yeah. It's it a perfect film. Yep. So I was re-watching Home Alone recently with my kids, great. and it's great. It's great. It's very, very funny. Like the, yeah. the, the, the last sequence when they just... It's, yeah. a, it's great. Yeah. But there was a line in it which was just so funny. The kids are watching and they're laughing, having a great time. And I, I think it's Marv. Uh, when he, when, the, when Corley McCulkin's character goes across the flying fox into his treehouse, uh, they go out and they can't find him, and Marv looks down at the ground and goes, maybe he committed suicide. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, you wouldn't have that in a kid's film now. And my daughter said, what's suicide, Dad? And I'm like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. She's like, okay. <laughs> I should work for Lifeline. Yeah. <laughs> what's suicide? Don't worry about it. Okay. Can I just point out you called Macaulay Culkin, Corley McCulkin. Oh, did I? Yeah. <laughs> Big fan. Corley McCulkin. He was too busy hoping yeah. to get to his line. Yeah. Corley uh, McCulkin. Corley McCulkin. I like his brother, Mr. McCulkin, in the succession. <laughs> All right, uh, last question. What would be your perfect job for whatever comes up next? What would be the perfect thing that you would like to work on? I was going to, originally the question was going to be, what's your perfect job? And I have a feeling you'd say, I've already got it. (laughs) I was thinking that. Yeah, so I thought that's why I threw in the next. (laughs) All right, yeah. That's a really good question. I don't know. I've lost all ambition. Right. Is that because of success? (laughs) Yeah. Really? I'm not joking. I had yeah. a call about two years ago from my manager saying, they said, just to let you know, we've been talking to HarperCollins and uh, if you've got any idea for a book, I'd love to have you write it. And I went, cool. And then I hung up and then I sat down in my lounge room for an hour and then I rang back my manager and said, I don't have an idea for a book, sorry. <laughs> Amazing. And this is the second time you've thought of it two years later. Yeah. <laughs> is it just a thing where you're like, I could host Hard Quiz till the end of my life and that's fine? Yeah. That's well, it's, a, it... it's, well, it's such a satisfying show to do because you, you've got four new people every on every episode who you get to ad lib with. So yeah. it's infinitely fascinating, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. I, every time you get another four people in front of you, you're like, where's this going to go? It always feels comedically satisfying. Yeah. I've, we've done, I don't know what it is now, seven series, and I'm, I don't feel like it's ever repeated. Cause they, and also, they always say things I don't expect, so... You know, whereas, you know, if, if you're on Spicks and Specs, you can kind of guess what comedians are going to say. Yeah. And yeah. you sort of, oh, they'll, I know where this story's going. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. contestants, you're just like, what the fuck was that about when, every time? When, how uh, early into filming it did the contestants start coming in with... Because I remember you saying to me there was a point where, you know, you'd be hanging shit on contestants and then one day they just started fucking coming in prepared and it really kind of upped the show. It upped yeah, the yeah. do, do you know how, well, like what season it was or where in the season? Well, the first season was only 10 episodes and right. we viewed them as 10 pilots and the whole purpose of the first season was to get renewed. And But at the same time, I was definitely going to go, I was going to push all the contestants I was going to completely flatten them because I really wanted to. I wanted it to be noticed. Yeah. I didn't want the show to be. Oh, it's just another comfortable ABC quiz. And in the very first episode, I remember steamrolling um, uh, 
a contestant <laughs> and uh, going too far and everyone was saying, oh, geez, going too far. But I knew that that kind of controversy would make it get talked about. So it was worth it. Yeah. Like ends justify the means. But the whole first series, the whole first 10 episodes, they were all recorded before it was aired. Right. And what I didn't realise was I was very visible on the ABC already, but I, there are people who just like quizzes. So some of those contestants had no idea who I was. <laughs> And we, we were very open in our auditioning process. You know, it was like, it's hosted by Tom Gleeson. You might have seen him in Hard Chat. So it was all very open. But there are just some people who want to go on quiz shows and don't scrutinise what they're going on. So uh. some people were surprised. But the other thing that was weird was, of course, it hadn't gone to air. I'd made up the idea that at the end they get to say the catchphrase. You get the mug and you get to do the sign-off and they go, thanks for playing hard. And I liked it because it suggested that they had watched the show and they'd enjoyed the show so much they couldn't wait to say the catchphrase. Right. But I had to explain it to them 10 times in a row because it hadn't been air yet. Right. <laughs> so they all go, thanks for playing hard. And it, so in the whole first <laughs> series, they kept on saying, what do I say again? I'm like, you have to say thanks for playing hard. Okay, thanks for playing hard. No, 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 you've got to say thanks for playing hard like this. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> yes. So you had to do it over and over again. So that all went to air. And then the second season came on, and, and once people had seen it, they all came in prepared. So, locked do, and loaded. So, do you have, have you had people on the show that essentially want to just talk to you and aren't yes. very good at quizzes? We've had a few people who, well, they have to be to a certain standard to yes. get on, yes, because they've got to go through a bit of a process. But, but it's, it's not the passion. Oh, yeah, some people, when I booted them out, have gone, fuck it, I've been on TV. Like, like they could have just been in the Big Brother house. They didn't care. Yeah. yeah. So there's a bit of that. But also the fact that there's no prize money. Yes. I mean, you're, you're automatically getting a group of people who are just in it for the fun of it. Well, it's a panel show for amateurs, yeah. is how I describe it, yeah. But the other trick I do, and you would, uh, you would get this as comedians, but in general people don't notice, is I often leave the goal wide open for people to kick a goal. Yeah. So I'll often, you know, ask. I just just mention something about hair. Hmm. They're going to pay me out for being bald. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm leaving it wide open for them. People. Are, oh, <laughs> yeah, they yeah. got you a good one. I'm like yeah. a fucking pretty much put the ball very high on the tee, handed them the wood, and then leant into the fucking golf ball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I did, but you may not have noticed that. Yeah. But it has to be. It, yeah. ha- it, it has to be because it has if to be you're not taking it. Every so often, yes. then you don't you become the bully and you yeah, don't exactly, have that free yeah. reign. Well, to... it gives the show texture as well. The yeah. the thing that I, I learned from watching John Stewart host the Daily Show was yeah. that when he was down the barrel, or when he was interviewing people, it was his show. But every one of his in inverted commas correspondents were all having goes at how old he was and he would play Mm -hmm, lower status mm -hmm. and they were treating him like, you know, Colbert would come in and it was suddenly it was Colbert's show, you know, and and John's trying to uh, hold up and that meant that, you know, you're watching it four nights a week and it's never boring because the the dynamic is changing from segment to segment. Yeah, and I think we copied that to some degree on the weekly when Kitty and I did the weekly and Judith as well. We used to all always bag Charlie because it just evened it out. You know, if he was gonna if he was gonna do a monologue telling you how things were about a particular subject mm-hmm. and it was gonna be insightful and clever, you can only handle that for so long. So that's why I'd come on and just constantly tear strips off him. Yeah. <laughs> but I, th- I think it gives the I think it I, Make I, it acceptable. <laughs> I really believe it gives the host or whatever in any in any position like that. It yeah, actually gives the person the more, same. But yeah. it gives the person the host more power. Yeah. Like the, the the comfort in being bagged out or the comfort in being vulnerable is actually mm. giving the audience the subconscious impression of this is a very confident person that can, you yeah. know, flip between the two. Yeah. 
it's uh, it's it's funny. You ended up so I'm working on the chase. I work with the the, the chasers and uh, I keep them I keep them uh, mm. focused throughout the day and then workshop lines with them and each one's different. You know, so like Matt Parkinson, like yeah. you know, he's been a comedian for decades mm. and is a fucking great guy and. Yeah. Uh, Invariably, he has his own jokes, and you, you try to massage them. What there was one day behind the scenes, someone's uh, the, the thing that she talked about was essentially all she really talked about was her love of nineteen forties movies. And so you've got a couple of minutes to quickly come up with a joke that's generic that fits his persona of Goliath, and that's going to be something that people at home who aren't really paying attention are going to get immediately, you know, and we and it was really exciting because we were both stumped, and I could see his eyes light up like we've got to work this out and we were just going back and forth just saying you know oh well what about movies black and white blah 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 blah. and then finally we came up with uh, goliath coming out and saying you know uh since you love 1940s movies you know you're the victim tied to the train tracks and i'm the locomotive coming to crush you and we were like we came up with that line and it was almost like this yeah you know it was this really exciting moment yeah. to be working like that but it was funny we, we have a new host in Larry Emder who, you know, Larry is yeah. just a delight, like a delightful man. And he's just trying to, you know, there's a lot of moving parts and he's trying to get his head around it and all this kind of stuff. And he's really warming into it, doing a great job. Yeah, getting but, to know a quiz show when you're hosting is really difficult. But yeah. once once you know the ins and outs, it's, it becomes a lot of and fun. And he's doing a really good job. He, he did it really quickly. But, you know, early on, I didn't throw too many jokes his way because I didn't want to kind of throw him from mm. anything that was going on. But the moment that I knew he was really warming into it was we had a contestant on who was talking about her love of quizzes and she's been on other quizzes and she said she'd been on Hard Chat and he said, which one's your favourite? And she mm. said, Hard Chat. So yeah. Larry was like, oh, here we go, you know, started <laughs> reacting to it. Yeah. And then I don't know what the fucking odds are. But one of the questions was, "Who's the host of Hard Chat?" And she and she was just like Tom Gleason, and and there's like, and he was reacting off it, yeah. and it was so entertaining. It was actually from that moment on, I've started writing jokes for the Chasers where they're directing them at him, and you know, yes. just creating a dynamic like yeah. we've had the governess over from the UK who's so stern and doesn't crack a smile or anything. But we've just started throwing in a little. Fl- not all the time, but now and again, some flirty lines to Larry and watching Larry's ears turn red. Oh, oh, the governess, you know. So it's um, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fun thing to work on, it's, and uh, yeah, you created an environment where it's it's the format is understandable and easy to know, but it's constantly shifting and and changing shape with every mm. episode. Mm. But I can get back to your first question, which was, what would you like to do? Mm. I, this is something I'd like to do. I'd love to be a lead in a film and see if I could pull it off, but you can't do that without failing. So right. <laughs> like it'd be good if you could do it to yeah. see whether it was good what and, kind then, of film? and have the choice of not releasing oh, it. Oh, yeah, you just want, you know what you need. I just like, want to you know, know what the, it's like to be a lead actor in a film yeah, to see you, what it would be like. But would you yeah. go for one of these like Apocalypse new, now? Yeah, like <laughs> new like unlikely action star movie or would you go for a oh. dramatic role? Oh, uh, yeah, like a, like, like, what's a, it gonna be? like a Bob Odenkirk yeah, like Bob action Odenkirk film. Mr. Nobody or whatever <laughs> I don't know, just, I think it's, I think there's something interesting about piecing together a performance for camera. I'd like to see yeah. Tom Gleeson in a, not not this movie, but, a movie like Falling Down, where it yeah. starts, starts off really fine, everything, yeah. and then just watching you deteriorate throughout yeah. the course of the day. You'd but be- having said that, I did do an I did a 
cameo in Jack Irish and acting was a bit harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. So I've been discouraged a little bit. Right. But I like the idea of... I, I think it would be a fun thing to do and as a challenge, but I'm not convinced I would be... It, it's worth pursuing. What did you find uh, difficult about acting? Uh, re- being really comfortable with the lines. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. there's someone else's lines. Yeah. yeah. And just just really simple stuff, just not rushing, you know. Right. And also, I was, I was performing opposite Guy Pearce, and he knows how to act. Yeah. That's unnerving. And not... Yeah. And not... Just knows how to act, but no. he's really good at it too. Well, imagine me dragging him down to the comedy store and say, "You headline tonight, and I'm going to support." He'd say, "That's a fucking stupid idea." Yeah. And I'd be like, "You're right. Well, you let's should do not it. do that, mate. Let's do it." But let's... he let me do that. Yeah, stupid. Is it, is it a thing? Because I think I, I, I think comics can be great actors. Yes, because I think I'm not you, convinced I am. Yeah, but I think we're used to dropping into voices and act outs and yeah. all that stuff. And I think when you do it on stage, it's so organic. And natural that there is a part of your head that's like, oh yeah, I could easily do that on the well, set. Well, because I've done so much TV, I feel like I'm mm. I'm piecing together a good performance here, mm. but it's so close to reality. It's not. I feel I'm yeah. I've probably been yeah. It's I think it's a lot, like I'm aware of where the camera is and I know how to use it to my advantage. But part of me thinks I could maybe use that in acting. But yeah. But be- at the same time, I'm not. Con- I, I'm in this terrible position where people would say, yeah, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be great in, a, be in one of those slowly unwinding roles, yeah. like a Adam Sandler in Punch Drunk Love. Oh yeah, that'd be good. Or yeah. like an Uncut Gems type thing. That'd yeah, be, that'd that'd be yeah. where you'd shine. That would be good. What about you, Ben? In terms of work, yeah. What would you? What would be your dream job if you could do it next? <sighs> um, probably to like work on a farm with dogs and animals and just be in that mode. But yeah. that's like so outside of the realm of possible. That and, and also it's 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 like your acting dream where it's mm. like there's a part of it that's like, oh that would be good, but the reality of it would be very mm. different. Right. But you know, I would yeah, I would love to uh, I've worked as a social worker for years and mm. I'm kind of done with humans. Yeah. And so I think <laughs> I think next it's got to be animals or yep. back to animals. Yeah. You know, I used to work at the zoo and train dogs and that kind of stuff, so... You could still do something, couldn't you? Like, you could still kind of meld those worlds. What we need to do is set you up with some good equipment on a farm so you got your little sound booth so you can still do <laughs> podcasts and then, yeah, yeah. you know... Like, yeah. I, was on a, I was on a work call the other day and uh, Ross Noble... Yes. was on and Ross said words that this will sound like porn to you yeah. but Ross at one point said uh, okay I gotta go I gotta go and feed the pigs oh, <laughs> and he left his so work meeting good. to go and feed the pigs yeah. I had a conversation with him the other day he was on his tractor yeah <laughs> see that's lovely Brendan Burns used to live on a farm right I stayed on his farm for a bit and it was mm. uh, it seems like a very nice life yeah but mm. at the same time it's like you know Especially, you know, doing what we do. It's like, you know, how do you... How, I think you have to get to a point in your life where you're like, oh, no, I've, I've put all that behind me and now this is my life. That right. Yeah, you need spare time. Yeah. 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 My uh, ideal job uh, next would be to work on a really cool HBO TV series and I'm the person who gets to pick the music that drops at certain points. At the credit. And, at, uh, and throughout the, the episode. Great. Yeah, and you... You have to do it like live while they're actually acting, <laughs> yeah. like straight out of your phone. Yeah. Oh no, I'll sing. I'll sing like, the song. Like an annoying person at a party, you've just got like you're, got, you're on you're on Apple, you're on like Spotify, or whatever. Yeah. You're ready, and then they and then they say something, and you, and you just press play. Yeah. And every time it's David Bowie. <laughs> Look, if I could get the rights, I'll do anything to help out Dad, uh, David. All right. <laughs> 
That brings it to an end. Uh, anything to plug? Ben, do you have anything that you're working on I'm that we can talk about I'm working on something yet? at the moment, but I can't talk about it yet. Okay. Tom? I've got some live shows coming up that I can't talk about yet. Okay. And I've got some things <laughs> that I'm working on, and I can't talk about them either. So that's the way to sign off. <laughs> Thank you to Tom and Ben for joining me today. Did you work out which question bunned me out? Yeah. You you picked it. You know you picked it. It was the Batman question. I think Ben was genuinely flabbergasted and angered and just not interested in it. And I think Tom is too much of a grown-up to really want to give it much headspace. The good news is, if you'd like to hear two men be completely childish about the topic, head over to Fofop, episode 333, where Will and I rate which versions of Batman we think would be the best at giving oral sex. (laughs) It's the ranking you've been wanting to hear all your lives. And you know what? You're welcome. Actually, you know what? If you have thoughts on which version of Batman would be best, please come over to our private Facebook page, Big Squid with Justin Hamilton. Let me know who you think would be great and why, and maybe we'll make mention of them next week. If you're already a member, that'll be easy. If you're not a member, just send in a request and you're in. It's that easy. Uh... Just a little reminder, tomorrow's episode will be The Leftovers and, oh my God, it's such a good episode. It's such a good episode. God, I love it so much. I'm so glad I'm doing this. I can't believe we're right at the end of season two and then it's only eight more episodes for season three and we're done with The Leftovers. I can't believe we've gotten through it so quickly the same way I can't believe it's the end of June. Like, what is happening here? I cannot keep up with any of this. If you're enjoying our podcast, uh, please say hello to any of my guests online. Let them know that you're enjoying their work. And if uh, you have time and you would like to give us a good review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you use, that would be appreciated. Let's finish today with a quote from Adam West. I think it's that wherever I go, people are so nice to me and they come up by the hundreds and they say nice, funny things. As an actor, I just like to make people happy, make them laugh. That's our job, to entertain. And if I'm entertaining your folks, then I'm happy. Until then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.